Chapter 21 The Dungeons There is no greater conundrum perhaps than worldly life itself who can predict the precise reasons of happiness or sorrow the sky stays pristine for long and then suddenly rumbling clouds charge thunder crashes in all eight directions darkness surrounds the earth lightning flashes threateningly and the rain simply pours sometimes it seems as though there isn't a whisper of a breeze anywhere in the world leaves stay absolutely still and then the wind rises to a gale force within a matter of moments uprooting whole trees and sending them crashing to the ground lush forests and copses that delighted the senses just moments ago now present a devastated appearance like the gardens destroyed by anumar in ramayanam's asokavanam kundavai's life was not unlike such a garden something very akin to those whirlwinds seemed to be blasting her hitherto orderly existence not a moment's grief had she ever known until recently life to her had been one of unalloyed enjoyment an endless carnival of gaiety and delightful interludes her days seemed full of song and dance pretty dresses and fabulous ornaments exquisite art and fabled epics walks in palace gardens and serene evenings upon lavishly decorated boats her father mothers brothers ministers teachers numerous maids and attendants everyone in her life doted on her she was the center of their universe and they did not scruple to show it her only acquaintance with sorrow was from a distance through sentimental epics or plays that wrung viewers hearts and so when it did finally enter her existence it was with a monumental crash and an everlasting distressing waves battering her senses and throwing her into disorder her father's health was precarious the samrajyam lay in a perilous state her brothers were stationed far away beyond her call her country was about to suffer some sort of catastrophic disaster according to the astrologers and soothsayers who murmured mysterious predictions devious conspiracies abounded in secret corners people seemed fathoms deep in nameless terror kundavai the proud descendant of countless generations of iron-hearted warriors possessed enough courage to weather these and far hardier storms her faith in her own intelligence was unwavering she could destroy any and every peril that threatened with her sharp wits that at least had been her belief until something happened something quite inconsequential or so it had seemed an unexpected meeting but one that had shaken her very foundations quaking her heart strong as the proverbial diamond crumbling her iron resolve the moment she met vandyatevan her heart a bud until then untouched and unmoved unfurled into a fragrant flower but oh what a misfortune a bee had found its way into the bloom that same instant and began to sink its poisonous fang into the delicate petals inflicting a sea of pain amma how agonizing oh how she writhed at the idea that the vanar warrior might have been imprisoned as for the cruel insinuation that he might have been killed her heart nearly broke then ah the monumental effort she had to make trying in vain to mask her anguish many were her near and dear ones parents siblings companions dear to her and yet why must she care quite so much about a mere passerby someone she hadn't met more than two or three times and in a formal manner to boot 
But this was no time to wonder and moan about her wayward heart, analyze her inner turmoil and work down to its root cause. No, she would have to ignore ill omens and bad predictions, thrust away superstition and false reports, gather her spirits and begin her interrogations, accomplish what she had to do. She sent a message to Chinna Parivetariya that she would be visiting him that afternoon and promptly did so. The women of the palace extended her a warm welcome, showering her with their hospitality. The princess spent a while in their company discussing various inconsequential matters. Then she made her way towards the Sittara Mandabam, where awaited Chinna Parivetariya. He began to escort her around the gallery at once, pointing out the various portraits and describing their merits in great detail. Kundavai listened with every expression of interest, gazing at the works of art intently. Finally, they came to the last one, and Kundavai raised her eyes to his. There are no words, Ayya, to describe the invaluable service rendered by generations of Parvetariyas to the Chora dynasty. This is our good fortune, Amma. Kalandagakandar received his compliment with dignity. And there's no doubt either that nothing can equal such stellar service, save perhaps the vast Samrajyam itself. Thai, what sort of words are these? But surely you could afford to wait until the Chakravarti's reign is at an end and he is safe in Kailasam? Must you be in quite such haste to seize the reins of government? Chinna Parvetariya's agonized expression was a clear indication that these words had torn his heart with the swift pain of arrows. Beads of perspiration dotted his forehead. His limbs began to tremble. His very moustache quivered with emotion. Amma, he brushed away the sweat with some agitation. Pray, why this wrath? Do you seek to send me straight to Yamalogam with your verbal missiles? I do not possess such power, Ayya. And well do you know it. Why, the god of death himself would shudder to enter your presence, wouldn't he? What price of foolish young woman such as myself? Amani, pray drop a little lead into my ears that I may not listen to such brutal taunts. What have I done to incur this fury? I must beg of you to enlighten me, Devi, as to the reason for this, this terrible grace. Ah, no. Who am I to speak of your faults? It is rather you, Aya, who must do me the favor and apprise me of mine. Pray, is it a crime, Aya, to send men to gather herbs for my father's health? Not at all, Amani. I was the one who sent the Padayare Vaidya's son to Kodikarai. You know that too, don't you? I do. Today, Aya, I managed to catch a glimpse of that same man bound and dragged by your cavalry through the streets. Yours was the command to arrest him, wasn't it? And that despite the knowledge that mine had been the commission. Yes, Pirati, but you may not have known his true identity when you sent him on his mission, perhaps. Pariyare physician's son, a spy? Do you truly expect me to believe that ridiculous tale? But, but if we were to have confessed it, what else can we do but believe it, Thai? Kundavai stared at him, startled. Confessed? Confessed what, pray? And how? That his companion was a spy and that this other man hadn't begun his journey with the intention of gathering herbs but to carry a message for someone in Ilangai. That ineffable fool. I suppose he's been spouting a lot of drivel. You do know that I was the one who sent his companion too, don't you? Indeed I do, Thai. 
but with all due respect i am also aware that he has deceived you that young man sporting the name of vandya tevan is a spy no not at all he is the one who brought me a no life from my brother for that matter he brought one to the chakravarti as well from the crown prince what of it spies must usually make use of some such ruse to accomplish their ends wasn't they i suppose you have incontrovertible proof that vandya tevan is one aya if he isn't why must he choose to travel along little known paths instead of taking the rajapatte like an honest man why inquire about the chakravarti's fate and future from the astrologer of kudandai has to inquiring about the chakravarti why i did much the same myself what of it there is a difference between your query as the emperor's beloved daughter and the tasteless questions of a wayfarer with no connection to the royal family only the spy of an enemy could wish for such sensitive information these of course are only your suspicions any other reason he could have entered tanjay fort right royally with my permission why sneak in with the help of the paravur signatory why lie about having received it from periya paravetter year 2 who else could have given him the signatory then we do not know that is yet to be discovered what are your men about if they haven't accomplished that yet my men regretfully are not magicians amani the spy has to be found and arrested before he can be questioned after all where's the guarantee that he will reveal the truth if so ah we have our ways of dragging information out of prisoners tai there are the dungeons for instance and it seems our spy was well aware of their existence why else would he disappear without a trace and escape the fort in the dead of the night not to mention stabbing sambhuvarayar son in the back too where's the proof that he did kandamaran's own testimony of course not good enough i say that he didn't stab the kadambur prince in the back beg pardon but did you actually see this for yourself amma no but just one look at his face and i can tell if a man is innocent or a hardened criminal the rogue of a spy is fortunate indeed for having gained your invaluable support alas that i have been singularly unprivileged in that quarter you keep referring to him as a spy ya yeah? if he wasn't why wear a mask and enter the city of padayare in the company of street play artist sama why set off towards the kodikare port in a disguise why secret himself in the forest a whole day at the very sight of my men and sail to ilangai at nightfall oh he managed to escape in a boat did he your men couldn't get their hands on him kundavai's question was drenched in unholy glee I hate to admit but that deceitful mole managed to trick his way out of our nets and my dolts of men have returned the physician's son in tow ignoring that wretched spy aya the vaidya's son must be freed at all costs i sent him on his mission after all and i'm certain that he is innocent he may not have been a spy himself amani but there's no doubt that he aided and abetted one stuffed my men full of great many ridiculous tales at one and deceived them enabling the real spy to escape in a boat be that as it may the vaidya's son must be released you must absolve me of all responsibility regarding that amma believe me when i say that dangers threaten this land from all four directions our enemies may rise against us any moment veera pandian's precious abatuttavis have sworn to exact revenge on the chora dynasty 
not to mention treacherous conspiracies being hatched all over the kingdom if we were to incarcerate everyone guilty of plotting against the king aya these prisons would run out of room but as long as we have some you may as well set it aside for the real conspirators now release the white their son at once i am afraid i cannot take it upon myself to do so tai what of the chakravarti's own command or would you choose to disregard that as well there would be no need for vannamma all the world knows that ilayapirati's slightest wish is tantamount to a sacred command from the emperor here is the key to the dungeons devi i shall leave it in your care you may unlock the door and do the deed yourself and while you're at it kindly do grant freedom to anyone else you feel like honoring with your condescension you and you alone will be held responsible for the consequences kalandagakandar handed over a truly gigantic key as he made his official speech very well aya kundavai retorted while throttling the anger that threatened to overwhelm her loss or gain on my head be it she took the key into her possession does that satisfy you should this ancient chola samrajyam find itself at the mercy of unimaginable peril the guardian of the tanjay fort commented wearily i shall count only two women responsible i am one who's the other the ilaya rani of paduvur of course kundavai's lips twitched with amusement you dare class me with the dictator of the chola empire talabadi <laughs> If this ever falls upon Periya Parvetaria's ears, you will be banished from this country at once. That is music to my ears," retorted Chennai Parvetaria. "I shall welcome such a fate with enthusiasm."